if God would grant you one request that would enable you to reach your fullest potential as a disciple of Jesus Christ, have you ever thought what that would be? Without hesitation, my desire would be to ask God to teach me how to pray as Jesus prayed. And actually, my request isn't original because as the disciples watched Jesus for three years habitually get up early in the morning and go and converse with his father, they finally decided that that was the source of his power. And so one day they came to Jesus saying, Lord, teach us how to pray as you pray. Now, those disciples had prayed in the synagogue. They had had some acquaintance with prayer, but when Jesus prayed, that was a new dimension that was totally foreign to them. He had an intimacy with God they didn't have and they wanted it. I'm interested that prayer in the future of our lives here as Christians, if we're going to move any further in maturity toward our Lord, that's going to have to involve prayer becoming more than a formality we do in worship, more than a parachute we use when all other solutions have been exhausted. It's going to require more time in prayer. You know, millions of people have uh, seen Titanic and spent three hours watching it. I think of the thousands of hours we invest in hitting a golf ball, the hours we spend maintaining physical fitness and on and on where we invest our time. And in addition to all of those investments we have to make, I have a firm belief God is calling us who are serious about our Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling us to experience another stage in spiritual growth where prayer is going to be more than, more than a formality, more than something we stick in a crack. It's going to become the highest priority in our life. And that will involve spending more time in prayer. I'm absolutely convinced God is calling us to do that. Why? Because prayer is to our spiritual life what breathing is to our physical life. We just can't do Christianity without prayer. It's our, it's our source of power to cope. It's our source of power to live for Christ in a crooked world. Prayer is, above all, the alternative to our Silicon Valley need to fix and to control and to solve. Life is so complex, so busy for many of us that we literally are pressured from dawn till dusk trying to get the job done. And as believers, Jesus said, I want to partner with you in that so that life is more than a time bind and a burden that drives you to exhaustion. I'm not sure many of us really understand the potential that prayer can be to give us the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have as an alternative to the stress and the depression and the burdens we carry. And therefore, I'd offer you that perhaps prayer is our greatest source of joy and peace in the Christian life. Because of its strategic importance and because we're entering Lent, I want us to review what Jesus taught on the subject. And as I studied it again this week, you know, it's really revolutionary what Jesus tells us about prayer. I'm not sure any of us fully understand it. First, he said, Jesus told us prayer is a discipline that we practice in order to meet life's needs. In our story, the leading character is surprised by some guests. He could have told his midnight arrivals, I don't do midnight snacks, go to bed and I'll feed you in the morning. But instead, Jesus said he went to the discipline, the inconvenience, even the embarrassment of going to a neighbor at midnight asking, some guests have arrived and I need to borrow some bread. Now, personally, 
I'm hesitant to go to a neighbor about anything, much less to go to them at midnight and say, I have some house guests, would you give me some bread? And you get them out of bed in the middle of the night. I wouldn't do that. But what's the point of, that Jesus is making? Because he, he often teaches by paradox. What he's trying to let us know is that God isn't a reluctant neighbor. The revolutionary uh, dimension of God that he gives us is that God, our heavenly father, has invited us to come to him at any time with any need and we never bother him. But you see, implied is that if we're ever going to really understand that and take advantage of it, we have to practice the discipline of cultivating an intimate relationship with God. We have to know him before we can really feel he's anything more than a reluctant neighbor. I would offer you that intimacy with God in prayer takes time. It's often inconvenient. But I believe with all my heart the reward is to become so confident that God is accessible to our needs, that God's going to respond with his interventions, that after practicing the discipline, we'll reap the reward of an entirely new source of power in our life that will give us the abundant life in Christ. Discipline, I think, is really the key here. We've all watched the Olympics. And isn't it incredible to see the skill of those athletes? And you know where that skill came from? from the discipline of hour upon hour invested to perfect those skills, like those skaters who, it makes it look so simple on the ice and I can hardly stand up on ice skates and they, they can just do those triple whatevers and they've done it for hours and years so that for that one moment they can get out there and do a gold performance. Uh, how much time do we invest perfecting our golf game? Or how much time do we spend staying physically fit? Or you who are still in school, in hitting the books, we invest that discipline to get to a goal. And I'm suggesting, because Jesus suggests it, that prayer requires that same kind of work and discipline and time. And the reward is incredible. And the in incredible thing about the modern Christian church is so few of us have ever perfected our life of prayer. You know, Thursday morning, a group of us meet at 6.30 and... There's one lady in particular who, who prays. I love to hear somebody who's invested time in prayer for a lifetime so that when they talk with God, it's like they're right in his living room. They know him intimately. And I, I love to hear her intimacy with God. And then, you know, there's another dimension. I love to hear somebody Thursday morning pray for the first time out loud. And they're kind of stumbling through it. And it's a little awkward, but they're learning and they're on their journey to become intimate with God. I was blessed with a dad who was very accessible to me. He was easy to approach. Though he's been gone so long, I think I appreciate him more now than ever. You know, I could call him about anything, anytime, any kind of failure, any kind of need. And without the slightest doubt, I know he would do everything in his power to meet my needs. And I'm suggesting that one of the rewards of the discipline of cultivating a prayer life is that you're gonna learn that what Jesus taught about God is really true. God's accessible and he cares and he wants to be involved with that super stressed schedule that you keep, those incredible burdens you carry, that heartache that you have inside. But that confidence and that kind of intimacy with our God has to be cultivated, it does not happen overnight. 
This is particularly true for you who are not blessed with a dad as I have been. Maybe your father is not what you want to think God was like. And so you're going to have to go through the discipline of pushing through that stereotype of an earthly father to press beyond it to discover that what Jesus said about your heavenly father is really true. I had to ask myself, what would motivate us to practice that kind of a disciplined prayer life? What, what would make us change? Some things came to mind. Maybe experiencing prayer as this answer to the stress and exhaustion that we're feeling associated with trying to control and fix and solve life's challenges and problems involved living where we do here in Silicon Valley, using only our resource, our own resources, which are never enough. Or, you know, for me, it, it was experiencing the surprise and the delight of God actually intervening in our lives as the result of prayer. Thursdays, we always hold up a prayer need of a kind of a list. And the following week, we come back and report of how God responded. It's astounding God really does respond to prayer. Every morning, I'm out walking very early, and I always offload unto God the challenges I'm facing that day. And I've learned, you know, without this habit of casting the burdens facing me in terms of the many roles I play, without being able to cast those burdens on the Lord, I would sink. I don't lead this church. God does. It's so, been so far over my head for so long. I have to pray. Just as I have to invest some hours in physical fitness in order to stay physically strong to do my job. And the reward is, when you invest in physical fitness, you have a vitality that makes the pain worthwhile. When you invest in prayer, you have a resource that makes the discipline worthwhile. Well, so prayer is a discipline. A second truth Jesus tells us about it is that we can be bold in our requests to God. I, I, I find this almost fascinating, what Jesus says about it. The character in the story asks for three loaves. Again, Jesus is making that paradoxical point. You see, one loaf was a full day's supply. He didn't even need a half a loaf for a midnight snack. What he's telling us is God isn't stingy. As Paul the Apostle learned, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything we ask or think, beyond what we even ability, uh, have an ability to uh, request. Boldness in prayer is our freedom, freedom to bring all things great and small to God. And I think that's incredible. I have a covenant brother who's recently confessed to me his hesitancy to ask God for things that seems too small, like asking him to help him make a sale or asking him to help heal a cold that he had to get over. And you know, Jesus tells us that God is open to all our responses. What could be smaller than some bread for some midnight guests? It's sometimes when we bring the small requests to God and we understand he cares and he's involved that then we're ready to bring the big stuff to him when it comes, like we find recorded in the New Testament. A priest asking for the healing of a dying daughter. A prayer group asking God to release Peter from a high security prison surrounded by Roman guards. Or Paul praying to be saved from a storm at sea and shipwreck. As part of our vulnerability as human beings, we're occasionally going to have night visitors, unexpected guests, unexpected needs. It's gonna happen. And those needs will present us with challenges that are beyond our resources to carry alone. And that's why Jesus gave this astounding teaching about prayer and told us we can be bold in asking God for whatever help we need. 
I want to tell you personally, I bring anything and everything to God, and I can't imagine living without that resource. And I can't imagine you living without it. And the good news is you don't have to. Then the third truth Jesus teaches about prayer is the necessity of being persistent. This is the hardest part for me. The persistence of the character in our story seems brash. Remember, the first response of his sleeping neighbor was, look, friend, I'm already in bed. My children are asleep. Go away. Come back tomorrow. If I had ever worked up the nerve to go to my neighbor at midnight and that was his response, I would have turned tail and gone home. But this guy, instead of withdrawing apologetically, goes on knocking until the fellow inside, inside decides, well, if I'm going to get any sleep tonight, I better give this guy what he's asking for. Again, the paradox. Jesus is telling us, as believers, God isn't like that. We have permission to nag God, and God doesn't consider it nagging. Looking at verse 9, the original verb tense is, keep on asking, keep on seeking and knocking until you get an answer from your Father in heaven. Implied is, most prayers aren't answered like that. There's a waiting period. We're not bothering God when we pray. He's never too busy, but he usually isn't an immediate genie that we kind of rub and say, this is what I want, and zappo, we have it. I found in my life I have to wait for most things, and that's hard for me. I'm a guy who likes closure. I don't like to wait in lines. I don't like to wait for anything, and most of us don't. But what Jesus tells us is sometimes he asks us to wait because in higher wisdom, that's better, in God's higher wisdom. Persistent prayer somehow changes us. It doesn't change God, but sometimes waiting, persistence, enables us to reach a stage of faith where we can finally say about a need that we're just hounding God about, okay, Father, it's no longer important what I want in this situation. I want what you want, and I know you love me, and I'm going to trust you. Remember when Jesus agonized in the garden? Father, if possible, deliver me from this death on the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the kind of faith, uh, a relinquishment that comes through being asked to wait. God didn't save his son from the cross, but he did create Easter morning. And so maybe this is the truth summarized. Prayer works, but it works in God's way and in God's timing. Now, as I said Persistence in prayer is probably the hardest area for me because of the way I'm strung. But I have, I have this conviction. I do know that only in heaven will we understand some of God's responses to prayer. Like prayer for a loved one to live and he or she died. Or prayer for a marriage to be saved and a divorce happened. See, it, it doesn't always go the way we prayed. I was by a deathbed last week and we prayed with that family. It was a mom and they loved her and God, why was she taken? And, 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 and probably God is not going to bring her back, but he's going to answer in heaven some of these heartbreaks that just rend us when even in our persistence, we have to wait till heaven to get an answer. That's hard for some of us. But, but the other side of that coin, I do know that waiting for certain things can change what we think we need. Have you ever asked God for something that you thought you couldn't live without? And it didn't happen, but after waiting, you look back and said, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. If you had, it would have been a disaster. I, I think that's part of this mystery of waiting on God. So 
I believe Jesus is challenging us to persevere in our prayers, even if God seems agonizingly slow. Remember what I've told you so often, God might seem slow, but he's never, never late. Above all, make time in your daily schedule to spend more time conversing with God, being persistent, and the impact on your life I give you at the very, from the lips of Jesus, the impact will amaze you. You see, our story ends with answers. The man gave him as much bread as he needed. Jesus promises that God will always answer your prayers. If you ask God for an egg, he won't give you a scorpion. If you ask for a fish, he won't give you a snake. Sometimes his answers feel like scorpions and snakes, but in the long run, they're always gifts of love. When I think about prayer, I believe the poet was so right when he said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. I'd like to build a bridge from the teaching of Jesus to a Lenten challenge for you. I want to challenge you to um, take Jesus up on this offer. Between now and Easter, you're going to spend your hours as you choose. And I want to challenge you in your daily schedule to make more time building intimacy with God learning how to pray. I don't think any of us spend enough time in prayer, and I doubt a few of us really are, are at the stage of maturity where God wants us to be in conversing with Him. Building that relationship with God between now and Easter might start a lifetime habit that could change your life. I believe that because it's changing mine. Secondly, I'm feeling an increasing need personally for more prayer support for our worship services. Uh, Doug is always here Saturdays and early Sundays going over every last detail with the musicians, the, his entire team. And I ask him sometimes, why do you invest such a, a, a kind of a hyper uh, commitment to this? And he said, you know, it's like when we're having guests to our home, uh, I do it because I know they're coming and I want it to be nice for them. And, and so he prepares worship here so he knows you're coming. And, and he wants it to be right. We all do. And I thought, how much more important would it be for us to prepare for you through prayer? So here's what I'm launching. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling called to start a Partners in Prayer ministry. And this is what it's going to be. It's very simple. If some of you would like to take a new journey in your prayer life and come a half an hour before worship to my office and pray for this worship service, we're going to do that before each of the five worship services. And if you, I don't know which, you might vary from what service you come to, it wouldn't matter. In my office, there will always be a prayer meeting. Here's what's involved. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to be a great prayer. You don't have to come every week. But you will get into a relationship with God, with other people in prayer. It will change your life and it will impact us. This church is not going to go any further than our prayer life. I'm absolutely convinced of that after studying the book of Acts. The key to our power is prayer. If, if you feel led to do that, and certainly not everybody will, there's a table to sign up. You can get the information. Think about it. This might be something you'll want to do. Try out, take a new venture of praying for us. It'll impact all of us. Have you ever thought about the fact that this table is what makes prayer possible? After his resurrection, 
after his crucifixion and before his resurrection, the veil in the temple, it said, was torn open. That veil was the block between us having accessibility to a holy God. And it was ripped asunder. And after the crucifixion of Jesus, it meant we can go right into God's presence because now we have his righteousness. That's an incredible miracle that made prayer possible. I want you to reflect on that as we think together around this table, how Jesus said that this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also our Lord took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink ye all of it. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, if you really understand it, that he gave us accessibility to God. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, we'll thank you unto eternity for dying for us. And today... We thank you for that incredible insight into prayer that was possible because you died for us. Oh, God, help us not to neglect that gift, but to cultivate it. And may even as we participate in the bread and body of our Lord, may that, through your spirit, make prayer a greater reality for us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.